Welcome to the Thrive Church Weekly Podcast. We pray that you will be blessed and encouraged by this message today. Thanks for tuning in. I just want to invite Jared Van Berkel up this morning. He's come to bring the word. And so let's put our hands together. Thank you, Jared. Thanks, Glenn. Well, good morning, everybody. Take a seat. Nice to see everyone again. To everybody watching online, special shout out to you guys and our apologies for some of the technical difficulties we've had with our online delivery this morning. And uh, we'll do our best. If you want to tune in again, we'll do a special service uh, for our 11 o'clock one. If you missed out on worship for those where it was dropping or lagging, you'll get another chance to worship again at 11, which would be awesome. Um, if our sound needs could take the, the foldbacks off for me for a moment, that'd be great. It's getting a bit of reverb up here. That'd be awesome. I don't know about you, um, but I rediscovered an amazing love during lockdown. Did anybody rediscover something that they loved when they were in isolation at home? Give me a wee wave if you discovered or rediscovered something. I, I rediscovered my love for ice cream. I hadn't had ice cream for quite a while, and I rediscovered it, and I went to the supermarket, and I couldn't make up my mind anymore what my uh, favorite flavor was, so I bought multiples of them, um, and they say that the camera adds five pounds, but there's uh, three cameras on me at the moment, and that's my excuse, but oh my gosh, I ate so much ice cream, and I absolutely loved it. It was good times. Okay, so... Uh, who, who heard uh, Glenn's word last week? Give me a wave or you watched online. Awesome. Okay, so about half the room. If you haven't heard it, please make sure that you uh, get a hold of the podcast and have a look at it. And basically, to give you a quick recap, uh, Glenn was bringing a bit of a word that is a kind of like a trajectory adjust. And basically, all I sense in my spirit is that Thrive has been cranking along and God's just bringing a slight adjustment around language, around people's hearts. And what I'm hearing from people is beginning to be that fresh hunger again to experience the presence of God as though you're experiencing it for the first time. And Glenn was talking about rediscovering your first love. So I rediscovered my love for ice cream um, over lockdown, and that was an okay thing. But God is wanting us to rediscover our first love uh, with him. And so what I want to do this morning is I'm going to teach a little bit on the pursuit of his presence. And I want to talk about the foundations of pursuing the presence of God. That sound good? Yeah, awesome. We've learned to be a little bit quiet when we're on lockdown, so feel free to be a little bit more vocal um, or correct theology. Wayne, as a, you know, if I make a mistake, you can just be like, hey, that's not right. I always count on you for a cheeky remark at some point, okay? So don't be too reverent. Awesome. So the pursuit of God's presence is the most noble pursuit known to mankind. Of all the things that you could pursue, that is by far the greatest thing. But what can happen, however, especially for us as Pentecostals, and we had Pentecost last week, it was a lot of fun, there is actually a difference between pursuing the presence of God and the sensationalism of God's presence. You know, and, and what I have seen happen over years in my own life and observing other people is that people go, I want the presence of God. But when you get down to it, what is it that you actually want? They go, oh, I want to feel something. I want to experience something. I want to have goosebumps flow through my body. I want to fall over when somebody prays for me. I want to have a moment where the Holy Spirit comes around me and I feel like the rush and the power and the fire and all good things. Like, I love those things, not knocking those things at all. But 
if that becomes our target when we pursue the presence of God, what actually happens is it becomes a target with a foundational motivation that is not sustainable. And why I say that is that when we pursue God's presence, when we experience his presence or the manifestation of his presence, that's amazing. But if our target is, I want to experience God in the way of feeling something, then any time that we're not aware of God doing something, we feel like we've missed out. Or we see somebody else and they're in worship and they look like they're on fire. We go, man, why can't they have, they're experiencing something and I'm not experiencing something? And instantly we take our eyes off God and we start to look and we start to compare the way they're doing something. Or maybe I should just copy what they're doing or, or, or something like that. And it all becomes about what is happening to us in the moment rather than what we are giving God in the moment. And if you take it a little bit further, if our foundational motivation is to have an experience, the end result of that is only two things, is that you do not have enough experiences or your experiences are not incrementally getting greater or more powerful, and so you become discouraged, or because it might not be happening, you think, I must not be doing something correct, and so you continually keep trying to re-workshop the way that you come into God's presence, and then it becomes so much about what you're doing, it actually becomes about works, which is then becomes religion, and it's totally counter-effective, because God goes, ah, oh, religion's just not something I enjoy being around. And so I want to share a few, a few thoughts as we begin to pursue God's presence and what that means, and I want to just say this. God is always moving. You know, the Holy Spirit's known as a wind. You know, it's one of the facets that are used to describe the presence of God. So by its definition, it's always moving. Whether you are aware of it or not doesn't negate the fact that God is doing something. Let's say this. Let's say right now everybody got out their phones and I put my bank account number on the screen and everybody put money in. Uh, I don't get notifications. I don't even know how to do internet banking. That's why I have a Rowanna. Um, forms terrify me and all of those things just make me really uncomfortable. So you could all put money into my account right now. I would not be aware of it. My lack of awareness would not change the fact that the credit in my account is going up. So if you are seeking God and you're, you're pursuing Him and you're having quiet times and you're worshiping and you're reading the Bible and all those things, but you're not noticing any tangible shifts in the atmosphere around you and you're not getting goosebumps or anything like that, that doesn't mean that God isn't doing something. Your lack of awareness does not negate God's ability to move. Having said all that, it is really good to develop and grow our awareness, but I just want to put this in context that right from the start, that we know as we pursue God and pursue His presence, it is about pursuing Him. It is not about pursuing the sensation or our idea of Him. So this, this for me grew um, a lot. When I was around about 16, I decided that I really wanted to pursue God. And the Bible says that the eyes of God are constantly looking to and throw for, throughout the whole earth for those whose hearts are totally devoted to Him. So I was like, man, I, I just want God. I just, I just want it to be real. And I grew up in a really, really fun family. And I've got a great heritage. Uh, MAF actually released the 75-year anniversary magazine this week, and my mum and dad uh, are in that. Um, and like, I, I grew up in a home where I learned to be able to speak in tongues, our heavenly language, before I could read or write. 
And by the time I was about 10 or 12 years old, getting a word of knowledge or a prophecy, that was just normal. And so I had experiences with God. I was aware of the Holy Spirit, had aspects of the sensationalism of God. But there was a big part where in my heart, I was like, I still do not know God. And it's an odd thing to say that you could speak in tongues, you could prophesy, you could get a word of knowledge. But you say, I still don't know him. And I need to get to know him for myself. And so this hunger came around me. And so what I did, and I've shared this a little bit before, especially in youth groups, um, is I would set my alarm for about six o'clock. I would get up and I'd read my Bible for half an hour. And then I'd go for a walk through my farm. There was a wee log that I would sit on. And Haley and Bruce, um, my sister and her husband, have built a house in my favorite spot where I used to pray. So that's annoying for me. Um, The log rotted away over time anyway. Uh, But I would sit on this log. I would watch the sunrise and I would pray for about an hour. And then I would get home to be about 7.30. I'd have breakfast, start my day. And then at the end of my day, I'd read my Bible for another half an hour. And then if I could, I would pray for another half hour. And I would sometimes wake up in the morning and my face was crumpled on the pages of the Bible because I'd fallen asleep in Leviticus again. Oh my gosh, trying my hardest, you know. But in six months, I read the Bible from cover to cover and I began to get a full understanding of who God is rather than just the New Testament representation of a facet of who God is. And I began to see how the New Testament shines a light on the old and how the old amplifies the fullness of God and His power and His might and the radical nature of who He is. And I began to get an understanding of the God that I was pursuing, because it's very hard to pursue someone if you don't know what they look like. It's so hard. So hard if you were to say, Jared, I want you to go find John and follow him down the street. The first thing I would say is, what does John look like? You know, you could be like, well, he's like, you know, varies from this height to this height. He's got really blue black hair and he's um, Filipino and uh, African-American and he's also a full Kiwi. I'd be like, well, that could be anybody. You know, so we need to get an understanding of who God is. And in the context of all, all of this, I, I, I want to say this. The majority of the time, I found it really boring. I, I would fight my imagination to, to hone in to what it was that I was meant to be doing. Now, as I was praying, a lot of time we were praying for people that I wanted to see saved, and I'd be interceding for uh, Glenn and Deb at the time as my youth pastors and the youth ministry, and my mind would constantly drift and waft, wander off, and I'm trying to bring it back on track. A lot of the time, there was very no awareness of the Holy Spirit moving. But what it did is it built something in me that was far more important to me than what I learned in high school. And it established something in me that was far more useful than what I learned at film school. And it developed my nature, my character, far more than the years that I had at Bible college. It established something in me where I understood the, the, the fullness of who God was a whole lot more, what it was to sit in His presence, what it was to persevere through the irritation of my imagination, to begin to get a hold of an aspect of God and ponder on it deeply, to allow revelation to grow. I began to slowly understand through obedience what it was to hear the voice of God because the majority of the time He began to speak to me was about bringing correction around my life. And I learned through obedience what it was to hear the voice of God. And then I learned through sacrifice what it was to take risk and in that how to develop faith. And in six months, I read the Bible, sorry, nine months, read the Bible from cover to cover. 
and then started again at Genesis, skipped out Chronicles and Song of Songs because they were boring or confusing, and then read the Bible again in, in another six months. And, and I say this because nothing that I have ever decided to do in my life has benefited my life as much as that time did. And it was also one of the most boring times of my life. It was true. It was one of the most boring times for me. I had hardly any friends. Do you know, as a 16-year-old, it's hard to find friends that want to pray for two hours a day. I don't know if you've noticed. It's hard to find another 16-year-old. It's like, bro, man, I was reading Habakkuk this morning. Whoa, mind blown. I had nearly no friends. But I was just so hungry for this relationship with God to be real that it was worth the sacrifice. I was so hungry to have something in me that would be substantial. I began to ask myself this question. If I lived in the time when the Bible was written, would the deeds of my life have been worthy for my name to have been worth a mention? And that thought began to roll through my head that I was created and designed for a purpose. Because as you draw nearer to the presence of God, even if you're not feeling anything, I guarantee your thinking will begin to shift. Who you hang out with will rub off on you. And it is subtle and it is gradual and it is slow. But in the presence of God, there's the fullness of joy. You know, often I didn't feel this big sense of the Holy Spirit, but man, I'm a happy person. You know, and God is just so good. So the first thing I want you to know, if you are pursuing God, and at times you struggle with it being boring, really powerful things are often not exciting. The most critical things in our life are often not the most engaging moments. Now, I have incredible moments with God, but the bread and butter of the foundation is actually just often a lot of digging. And this is what I find interesting in charismatic Christians, is that we say a lot of, we love God because He first loved us. We love God because He first loved us, and that's great, that's true. But what there can be um, action in, in people's lives is that we only respond to God when we feel that He's moving towards us. And people come into worship and go, man, I love God because He first loved us. So that means that when I feel the Holy Spirit moving, I'm going to be moved. When I feel like there's an atmosphere of praise, then I'm going to start praising because it's the way that I'm wired, is that God takes the first step and then I move. But the reality is, is that it's, we are present tense and He's past tense. We love continual because he loved past. So what it's saying is we are always in action because of the action that he took. So we move towards God continually because he moved towards us 100%. And so what's, what the Bible is referring to is Christ crucified and resurrected because we, we can love God because he showed us the greatest demonstration of love. So we are called to give him everything Daily, because he gave everything once. We're called to die to ourselves daily because he died for us once. We're called to live for him every day because he lived for us once. We're called to be humble before him daily because he was humbled for us once. It's just God's so good that when he does something, he does it so well, he only has to do it once. And so you go, well, then how about these times when I do sense Holy Spirit, I have this massive encounter and stuff. Well, that's the generosity of a good, good father. That's him 
spurring us on because of his generosity. The issue that we have when we become lazy Christians in pursuing God is we take a moment of generosity at the moments of exception and we make it our norm and we make his generosity our requirement, which makes us entitled or selfish. And so our maturity in pursuing the presence of God as a church as we begin to lean into this more, it's, it's an awareness of what is the foundational motivation for us as we go after this. Because I guarantee it's if you position your foundational motivation as an experience, it will lead you to frustration, comparison, or failure. I love experiences. I was over there once when I'd just taken over the role as regional leader for youth ministry, and I was praying for about an hour and a half, and the Holy Spirit hit me, and I began to flop around like a fish out of water with electricity pulsating through me, and I ended up in that back corner where Rowan's sitting. And I came out of that encounter knowing that God had deposited something in me for this season. I love encounters. I love experiences. The Bible is filled with them. But if that was my motivation, I never would have lasted an hour and a half from prayer. So this needs to become our motivation when we praise God. We go, God, I will give you glory because you're glorious. I will give you praise because you are praiseworthy. I will give you honor because you are honorable. I will give you all that I am because you gave all that you are to me. And so... The metron that we look at for success now changes because the problem for something to be sustainable, if it's not in the realms of your control, it's very hard for that then to be sustainable. So here's the thing. If, if our definition of us succeeding in the presence of God is if we are aware of the presence of God moving, well, that's actually his responsibility. And so if we go, well, we're only going to be successful if God does his job, then that means that who's doing our job? But if we can go, God, you're God, we're just going to let you do your job because we can trust you that you're going to do your job perfectly. So our side of the equation is actually that we're going to give you all honor, all praise, and all glory. So when you go to have your quiet time and you are 15 minutes into worshiping and you're going, man, I'm still not feeling anything, you can actually say, you know what, that's okay. Because me feeling anything isn't actually part of the equation right now. And so the questions that we begin to ask ourselves in this is, am I giving a glorious God glory right now? If I want to experience His presence and grow closer to His presence, be shaped and molded by His presence, the question isn't, am I sensing God's presence moving? The question is, am I fully present in His presence right now? Am I fully devoted to him right now? Am I being obedient with my life to the direction of God's presence? Am I living a lifestyle that is full of integrity? Because the Bible says to seek the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness. In the season that I talked about when I was 16, the biggest changes that came around my life was that integrity became the most pivotal thing that I went after. I wanted the experience of God. But after a season of this, all I wanted was a lifestyle of integrity that would give God honor. My heart motivation shifted. So the question is, am I giving God who gave me everything, everything of me? And now you can take the ease off. And it's not about going, man, was I giving God everything? It's just a heart check. 
Because he's already given me everything. That's my microwave. Uh, and it's, it's that heart check of going, am I only praising him so that I can get something from him? Or out of the revelation that I have to remind myself because, my gosh, if you're like me, you, you, you battle with focus issues and you battle with laziness and you battle with motivation. And so you've got to re-coach yourself. Who am I again? I am the one that he died for. And this is the crazy thing that Christ crucified, it's not, it doesn't carry an expiry date. It's not like, well, he did that for me then, so now I'm no longer grateful because it doesn't help me today. Christ crucified, resurrected, the fullness of salvation is the power and grace that I need for every day. It's the gift that keeps on giving, so my praise should keep on flowing. So the heart check is, am I still grateful? How am I still walking in the awareness that when the Bible says I was still God's enemy, he laid his son down for me. Now that I am his child, what would he do for me now? Am I living under a revelation of gratitude or am I simply seeking another experience because I'm not holding the treasure of salvation with the honor that it deserves? So it's a heart check. And then once you do that and you go, actually, I don't know where I am. He's a good dad. So you go, God. This is where I need your presence. I need it in my heart of hearts. I need you to start doing what only you can do. God, I hand you my selfishness. I hand you my pride. I, I, I hand you what I think is important. And you begin to make room for the presence of God to move around your life because you've taken it off an experience and you've brought it back to gratitude. And so here's, I just want to finish with a very simple illustration. I, want, I just want to put this in a story in the Bible so that you understand that I'm not just making things up this morning. We, we love God because he first loved us. Moses had a relationship with God where God would speak to him face to face as one would speak to a man. Pretty awesome when you look at the context of having life in the presence of God. Moses is in the desert as well before the time of Christ and God appears to him in glory through a burning bush. In that moment, God reshapes Moses' life, reshapes his identity. It was like his salvation moment. But you look at the presence of God, the way it operates in Moses' life after that moment, almost without fail, the presence of God goes after the obedience of Moses. He has his first moment where God comes and finds him, just like we had our first moment where Christ crucified and resurrected. The salvation of God came and got a hold of our life. But then just like Moses, who led a people into freedom and into promises, and there was glory and there were signs and there were wonders, he had the, the moment of presence first, and it changed his life. Then after that, it was obedience, then presence. Obedience, then presence. Obedience, and then presence. So as a church, as we go, man, God, we want your presence. The question is not, God, are you moving? Because he is always moving. Even the thought of it, God, are you moving right now? Discredits his very identity. So that's not the question. You don't even have to worry. God, are you for me? Yes. The question is, am I giving a glorious God glory? Am I fully present in the presence of my King? Is my life being obedient to the life that God has called me to lead? And am I giving the God who gave me everything 
all of me. I will trust you with the rest, God. Help me to grow into maturity in answering these questions with you. The pursuit of God's presence is the most rewarding pursuit known to man. But it is the nature and the character of God that we are pursuing, not the sensationalism of Him moving. So I invite you to stand this morning. And if you're watching online as well, I, I want to include you uh, in this invitation. And in, for those watching online this morning, if you want to respond to this, you can just comment in the, in the messages section or whether you're watching Thrive Online or on Facebook. So I just want to give everybody online and in the room right now to respond to that salvation moment. If you've never given your life to God or if you have walked away from Him, this is a moment to say, God, this is my burning bush moment. This is the moment where God, ah, you have found me yet again. I hid myself away from you, but you have found me. You're, you're knocking on the door of my heart, God. And if that's you, then right now, I want to lead you in a prayer where you say, Jesus, I want to give you my whole life. I want to give a God of glory, glory. I want to be present in your presence. I want to live for the one who lived and died and then rose again for me. And if there's you in the room right now, then I just want to encourage you to just raise your, raise your hand and we'll pray with you. And if you're watching online, then right now you can just close your eyes and we want to be able to connect with you as well. If you make this decision at home, please comment on this page so that one of our staff members can contact you and help set you up for an amazing adventure with Jesus. Right now, it's going to give us 10 seconds just so you can reflect on your heart. Do I need to give my life to Christ right now? Do I need to give my life back to Him? Is He knocking on the door of my heart right now, saying, come and live with me. Pursue my presence. It says, you in the room right now, I encourage you just to raise your hand. For those watching online, thank you, Jesus. See that hand. Anybody else? Anybody else? Holy Spirit, I invite your presence right now to move. Thank you, Jesus. Just let's join with me in prayer as I lead those online and those in the room to respond to God. Jesus Christ, I thank you that you died for me. I give you my whole life. I ask that you wash it clean. Give me your holiness. Give me your presence. Fill me with your love. From this day on, I choose to live for you all the days of my life. Amen. Awesome. Awesome. What I want to do now is I just want to have all the band up here. They're like magicians. My gosh. Uh, I just want us to have a time of praise. I know the room kind of feels a little bit more like cereal at the moment, like a box of Wilbix. Um, But what I want us to do is I just want us to celebrate. Celebrate that Jesus Christ is the King of Kings. I want us to celebrate that He's got victory over sickness. He's got victory over depression. He's got, he's got the fullness of joy. And in His presence, there is freedom. And I just want us to lift him up. And I, you don't need to feel excited, but tell your heart he's worthy of my excitement. You might not feel very loud, but tell your heart, man, he, he deserves the fullness of my voice. 
And let's just take a moment. Let's just praise Him with the fullness of our heart because He inhabits the praises of His people. Awesome. Thanks again for tuning in to the Thrive Church weekly podcast. Stay up to date with everything that is happening by following